welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. There's no gospel of healing. There's the gospel, and you're healed. There's no gospel of prosperity. It's just like Pastor Craig, it irks me to no end when people say, oh, you believe in that prosperity gospel. Nope. I believe in that gospel. Period. Jesus is the one that called a prosperity gospel. He said the first thing, the first message that he ever preached in his hometown to his people after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the first words that came out of his mouth is, I have been sent by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed, ordained to preach good news to the poor. That's the first thing that he said. And we've been taking it out ever since. We literally It's shocking to me how many Christians fight for the right to be broke. <laughs> and then whine and complain when they're broke. And, and here's the other thing too. A bunch of them have called me asking me to give them money from the church. I'm like, so you chastise me for preaching the gospel of prosperity, but you have no problems calling the church that believes in prosperity to get our prosperity for you to help your property. Hypocrisy unhinged. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. Man, I'll tell you what, I could preach for an hour just on those six words. He took us from darkness. He took us from the misery of this world. It wasn't, we didn't go. You know, you hear people say, well, the Lord found me. No, he didn't, he didn't find you. I found the Lord. No, you didn't find him. <laughs> it, it was all settled. You just figured it out. <laughs> he didn't all of a sudden say, oh, well, I'm going to find Lynn. There she is. Lynn, please be born again. And it, it wasn't like Lynn's like, oh, Jesus Die for me so I can be born again. No, all the stuff is past tense. It's all past tense. But it wants to be into your present and then go into your future. God took the man that he made. Remember, this is Adam, formed of his own hands. Took the man and put him in the garden. If you remember a few weeks ago, I preached on the garden. That this is the heaven. This is the kingdom of heaven that Jesus is trying to establish in his people. It's a garden. He's the gardener. He's placed us in the garden, which is heaven. And he desires for us to be very fruitful. What kind of fruitful? Heavenly Garden of Eden fruit. That come from our spirit. The fruit of the spirit. And put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it. And to keep it. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but the word keep means to guard or defend. 
He told us to defend or guard something that at that moment had no enemies. Man, think about that. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. You know, we, we look at the second half of this command and we think that's the command. Like, don't eat. But the first part of this command is everything that I made that is good, eat freely. That's the first part of this command. We always look at the thou shalt nots. And that is not the nature of God. The nature of God is thou shalt. He empowers us. That's what grace does. It's the divine empowerment of heaven, of God himself. He wants us to freely eat of every good thing that he has for us. If it's good, you should eat it. And eat as much as you want. You cannot overindulge in the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot have too much joy. You can't express too much love. You cannot have too much self-control. That was a great place for an amen for some of y'all. No, 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 no. Too late. Amen. <laughs> you can eat this all day, every day. You'll never get morbidly obese. You'll never be over full. You, you, will, you can have it incessantly, nonstop, all the time. Of everything good that God has made, if it's good, you can have as much as you want of it. This is part of the command. You may freely eat. You know what freely means? Freely. It means you get to decide. If you want some joy, eat it. Well, no, I just feel terrible today. I guess God just wants me to feel terrible today. Today's Monday and I've got to wake up on the wrong side of the bed and, and have a terrible day. Okay. Eat it. If that's what you want to eat today, eat it. Have a terrible day. See you on Sunday. Or you can wake up and say, you know what? I am going to eat me a big old bowl of fruit today because it is Monday and I'm going to need an extra. I'm having seconds before I go off to this job. Before I go and do what I got to do with these people. I'm going to eat an extra bowl of love, an extra bowl of joy. You can have as much as you want. On the way to work, you can snack the whole way. Protein bars of self-control. Eat freely. Right in the middle of having a conversation with the boss that you adore, you can pause. Turn around, have a little couple of Doritos, and turn back. And you can eat freely, all you want, all day long. If you are hungry, if you're hangry, that's your fault. That's your fault. It says in Isaiah, come eat. You can have bread, which you don't have to purchase. You don't even have to buy it. Someone else bought it for you. His name is Jesus. You can have all you want. It's been bought for you. It's been laid out. Psalms 23 says there's a whole banquet table sitting there in front of your enemies. You, all you got to do is pull up. Devour. Eat all you want. Why don't feel like it today? There you go. We are way more motivated by what we feel than what is true. 
Amen. For the, the average believer, their God is feeling. Because you're going to do what your feelings tell you to do. To, to have a God, to have Him as Lord, to have Him as King, means He's in charge. And I know this is offensive in America. But a Lord, a God, a King means He's in charge, you're not. When He says to do, then you do. And for the most part, what Christians do is what they feel. So therefore, most Christians' God is feelings. Feelings. And then we wonder why our life doesn't look divine. If you serve feelings, oh my God, talk about the worst slave master ever. Ever. They will eat you chew you up, spit you out, and... Amen. I just had an image last night. Kay and I went to a, uh, a wedding reception, and on the way up to the wedding reception, walking down the sidewalk, great big pile of puke. Right then, Kay's like, ah! Oh! <laughs> and Kay is very sensitive in her nose. And, which does not work to my advantage. I don't know why God made me smell the way I smell. And it just it made me it made me think about uh, these kind of things. Like we, this is what the enemy wants you to do. He wants to take you and chew you up and 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 turn you into something that you're never supposed to be. And then after all that, after that entire terrible, wicked process, the best thing that the enemy is going to do is spew you out on the ground so people can tread all over you. So many people serve the enemy and they're like, well, at least it'll take a little bit of care of me. No, it's complete and utter destruction in every way. There is nothing good that the enemy has for you. I don't care how much he lies to you. It is absolute destruction. Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt... Where's my old beloved people? Thank you, Craig. I got one old beloved people. In the Hebrew, this literally repeats the word die. The way you accentuate things in the Hebrew, and sometimes in the Greek, is you say it twice. So what this says in the Hebrew is, in the day you eat thereof, you shall die, die. Die, die. Which, you know, when Jesus says... Truly, truly, I say unto you, that that's, has the same connotation. What Jesus said was, true, true, I'm telling you. This is God saying, the day you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die, die. Now let me tell you this. Did Adam keel over dead the minute he took a bite? Yes. No. Yes, no. It just depends on what your definition of death is. If you think that death is drawing your last breath and going into a casket, then no. Adam didn't die. And you'd be wrong. That's not how God defines it. This is, this is one of our problems. We define things how we define things, usually through the natural. God defines things how God defines things. And there's a, there's a couple of benefits you get when you're God. 
Like, for example, when you define something, that's what it is. So when God said, the day you eat thereof, you will die, die. I will tell you, two-thirds of Adam died that day. Did he stay animated? Yep. Was his, his lungs drawn breath? Yep. Did he go on and have children? Yeah. He lived 930 years in the natural. And he was die-died. You know how many... <laughs> Amen. Praise God. You know how many believers are animated... Breathing, walking, moving, waking up, going to bed, doing the thing, and they are dead, dead. Zombies. Going through the motions. Waiting for whatever stimulus to push them this way, and then this stimulus push them. Just like the zombie movies. Brains, brains, that's all I want. And whatever stimulus pushes them this way, whatever stimulus pushes them this way, oh, I don't have money, I need a better job, I need more hours. Oh, I don't feel loved, I'm going to go get me some, uh, some emotional love from someone. I'm going to cry on someone's shoulder so they can pat me on the back. I, I feel lonely, so I'm going to go get into sexual impurity. Just stimulus after stimulus, moving, dead, dead. And I, and I want to get into the tree, but the tree is one of... There's a ton of revelation to the tree. But one of the revelations that you can get from the fact that it's a tree is that you trying to get knowledge from anywhere besides the Father will kill, kill you. And we do this all the time. And for, for the most part, most of the people that I know, even believers... The most important place of knowledge, information, in their life is Google. Big G Google is smarter than Big G God. And the reason you know that is because they don't press into the Spirit of God to get truth. They press into statistics. What do the scientists say? Depending on what side of science you are on determines which scientists are saying what you want. Because you do realize that about 75% of all the doctors and scientists in our world today are paid to tell you what they're telling you. And they're going to go down, by the way. All of these folks that have been prostituted by this world's narrative, by the evil overlords of society that are trying to kill you and steal from you and destroy you under dark, wicked impression, they're going to go down. For those of you that are <clears throat> looking at what's going on in our world, and you're seeing doctors lie, scientists lie, three-lettered government agencies lie, lie, just bald face. They don't even hide it anymore. They're like, whatever. I don't care what you think. It's a bald face lie and some people are going to believe it. I don't care if you can prove us wrong or not because some people will believe it and we're going to keep saying it. They lie. For all of you that are so disheartened and so irritated by this, and I'm talking to myself, <laughs> here's something that, that gives me great peace. God is just. Just. 
David would lament this multiple times in the Psalms. He's like, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it the way I say it. Lord, look at all the people that are being successful on the other side. Look at all these liars. Look at all these wicked people. People kidnapping children and doing terrible things. And they're, and they're being successful. They're getting away with it. God, the wicked are being successful. And God says, for a moment. God keeps good books. These folks that are committing crimes against humanity, because that's what they are, there will be a recompense. There will be a balancing of the books. God is a great accountant. His son is half a Jew. They keep good books. Everything a person sows, that shall they also reap. When these folks are sowing to wickedness and darkness, they will reap it. When you sow to righteousness, you will reap it. If you get all upset about what's going on and you get in the flesh and you get in emotions and you get carnal, you're going to reap that. But if you see, if you know that Jesus said everything that is hidden in the dark will come to light. Everything. And I'm telling you, I am, I'm, I'm even saying this prophetically. You are going to find out truth. It is going to be exposed. I got to do this. There is, man, this is just on me right now. I have to follow this. You are going to publicly see. Publicly see. People. That are right now being worshipped. And I could name names, but I don't want to do it right now. That are publicly being worshipped. As the gods of truth and the gods of science. And the gods of medicine. These folks, you are going to publicly, publicly see them fall. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. That's a promise. And I'm... Under the Spirit of God, I am telling you, some of you are going to see it publicly. It's going to be on national... TV. It's going to be on display for folks to see. These race baiters, liars, false scientists, false doctors that are hurting humanity, some of these folks, you will see their public demise. I'm telling you. I'm not, this isn't my emotions talking. I am telling you under the unction of the Holy Spirit that you are going to see it. And great shall be their fall. And you do not want to have any partnership whatsoever with the workers of darkness, workers of iniquity. Keep your hands clean. Keep your heart clean. Keep your feet clean. Keep your tongue clean. Because you do not want to have any partnership in their destruction. 
In the day that you eat of knowledge or information outside of what God gives us through the Spirit of God, you will die-die. That promise is as true in the garden as it is in the garden that Jesus placed us into. These words for Adam in perfection are the same as they are for you in perfection. Adam, the first Adam, Adam means mankind, the first mankind was created perfectly by the hands of God and he was taken and placed into heavenly garden. The second man, Adam, the second mankind, you, me, were taken by God, formed by his hands, and placed into the kingdom of his dear son, into the garden of Eden, heaven. Same exact thing. And we have the exact same command that the first Adam did. The first Adam was, I command you, eat of all the good things that I have for you in this garden and do not go to the tree of your own effort, of the world's version of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Do not go there to eat, only eat from me. We have the exact same command. And if you do, believer, Christian, you will die, die. You will die, die. And I want to show you what death, what God defines death. Death is not having his life. I'm going to show you that in a minute. Death is just not having his life. What is, what is dark? We know this. Dark is the absence. There's no such thing as dark. There's just no light. There's no such thing as cold. There's just no heat. Man, I I hope you get this. This is the way that God defines death. It's... There's no such thing as death. We weren't created. Any, any person trained in, in, in medical science will tell you that the human body literally is created to regenerate itself at least every seven years. Some of your cells are regenerated every couple of seconds. The human body was not created to ever age, grow old, to die. Something happened. Something happened. Sin. That separated us from the life of God. If you're separated from His life, then you're dying. The closer you get to His life, the more you are alive. Jesus said that I want you to have abundant, my quality and quantity of life. The closer we get to Him, the more life there is. The closer you get to the sun, the warmer you are. The farther away, the more absence of light the darker you are, the more absence of heat, the colder you are. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read this in the Passion. I'm having compassion on you by reading it out of the Passion. Just to be fair, like Romans 5, it has some language in it in the King James that it would take me longer to explain it, so I'm just going to let the Passion tell you. And I'm going to start in verse 6. For when the time was right, the Anointed One, who's that? Okay, half of you got it right. The rest of you will get you born again. For when the time was right, this is, man, it's, I could preach right there. I'm not going to. But Jesus didn't, he didn't tarry. He didn't wait. He didn't say, well, let's let humanity get really, really terrible. And then I'll come in and rescue them. 
Because we think that. We think like God's just letting us get in the most terrible situation and then he's going to come and rescue. He's not a sycophant. He, he's not, that's evil. God doesn't want you to experience one second of pain. When the time was right, Jesus came the first second he could come. It took that long for humanity and for the womb of Mary to get ready to receive the seed of heaven. It took that long. He wasn't tearing. He wasn't goofing off. He wasn't playing floor hockey in heaven and the game got interrupted and he had to go, Oh, Jesus, go do that you know, gospel thing. Oh, okay, Father. I'll pause. I'll be back, guys. No, he was looking for every moment. In fact, a couple of times he burst through. That, who do you think the fourth man was in the fire? Who do you think Melchizedek was? Jesus showed up a bunch of times in Old Testament because he just wanted to be with his people. What was the fire by night that led the Israels, Israelis? It was him. What was the cloud overshadowing them so they didn't get hot in the sun? It was him. What was the rock that was following them that was releasing free water? It was him. I mean, he just couldn't even stay away. You know, I think the father's like, Jesus, get back. It's not time yet. Remember when, when mom, when Mary went to Jesus and said, Hey, son, you know, they don't have any wine here. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Jesus said, woman, it's just not my time. And then he still did it. You know, that, that shows you his heart. It shows you the compassion of God for our situation. When the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate. To demonstrate. This is something too. The cross did not, that wasn't where the love of God was birthed. That's where it was demonstrated. For God so loved the world that he sent. God didn't love us more, or God didn't love us more after Jesus than he did before Jesus. God has always loved us. Always. Same love, all time. But it was demonstrated in different ways at different times. And we need to understand that. The reason that he did so many unique ways of demonstrating his love was so that we wouldn't miss it. It wasn't so because then we all of a sudden got loved. It was because now we have a revelation and something to connect with how much we are loved. When you understand that God died. God died. To demonstrate. Man. I have a hard time when Cinderella is singing that song, uh, How He Loves Us. Man, I got it. It's hard for me to keep it together behind those drums. Ain't a person in this room, myself included, that really understands how much He loves us. Man, how he loves us. The anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for amazing, awesome, really pretty people from Hollywood. Really rich people that think they're all that in a bag of chips. If you want the demonstration of God's love, you know the first thing you got to start to recognize is you don't deserve it. You are a sinner. A person who missed the mark. And it wasn't because you were so awesome that He came to rescue you and show you His love. It's because you were so terrible. 
so defiled. And I know this is, this is counterculture. Walk up to someone who, who is not born again and say, man, you are the filth. You are a stench in the nostrils of God. You are like human excrement on the ground being trampled on by humanity. There is no good thing in you. Go say that out in public. See how, see how far that gets you. Because they don't believe it. Those folks that are walking around out there lost, that have no Jesus, that have no God, they think that they are the bee's knees. Look at me. Look how smart I am. I've got, I had a guy one time say, I've got a master's degree. I know what I'm talking about. I'm like, oh, well, God bless you. You were trained by ignorant people at an ignorant place trying to tell you how stupid you are. Oh. <laughs> thought he was giving me like the signal, like, what am I doing wrong? No, it's just the fact that he's got a master's degree, and so he's, he realizes how ignorant the people are that teach it. And I, look, I got a master's degree too, so I'm not, I'm not picking on people with degrees. I'm just saying that you, if you think your degree makes you wise, you're the problem. Hey Amen, i got to move on. Died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless. Not me, God. Of all the sinners, I'm the good one. Uh, you know, I, I didn't, you know, you're like, Jesus is like the cherry on top of the cake that I baked in my own life. No, you're terrible. Without Jesus, there is no good thing in you. None. Nothing. And I know you that, well, I mean, there was just a couple of, I mean, I wasn't complete. No, <laughs> that's the point. Any of your righteousness is filthy rags. And that terminology is dirty, nasty menstrual cloth. <laughs> Everybody's like, move on, move on. <laughs> <laughs> Who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Man, I hope you believe this. Because if you don't, then you're probably still trying to do it. If you do believe this, then you threw yourself on the mercy of God and you said, I cannot save myself. I need a Savior. Jesus, save me. And he said, that's what I came to do. But if you don't, if you think there is some kind of salvation that you're going to produce for yourself, you just keep on going to that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you just keep on eating that fruit and you will die, die. Die, die. And we'll walk by your zombie little self and we'll say, hey, you want to be born again? No, I am okay. Just give me brains. <laughs> you like my zombie? It's like a robot. I'm not a very good zombie. Now, would anyone dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? It's a good question. Um... You know, I think about this because I think in a, if I would have done my life differently, I would have made a good soldier or a lawyer or a policeman. There's a lot of things I feel like now I could have been a good at. at. <laughs> in addition to preacher, obviously, this is my favorite thing. But like, And I'm thinking, that if I was a soldier, I don't know if you, maybe I'm the only one that thinks this way, but if I was a soldier and I was out there fighting, communists... And socialists who've tried to take over our world multiple times. 
communists and socialists have tried to take over our world to kill humanity multiple times. We as America, in at least two world wars, stood against communism and socialism because it was terrible. And I can't believe I have to say that. Shundai. I think thought about times of being a soldier out there fighting wicked, evil, demonic, dark forces trying to take over humanity. And if 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 I was that soldier and I knew that back home that they were going to use my death, my blood, so they could live in sexual deviancy, so they could be carnal and, and wicked and terrible and abduct children and, and do terrible things in society? You know, how passionate do you think I would charge the line? With how much courage and boldness would I go after the wickedness that I'm facing knowing that what I'm doing is fighting for the wickedness that's at home? Jesus did. Jesus went and faced the entire wicked force of the entire universe knowing that we were still going to act a fool. Man. (laughs) This is the main reason right here. This right here. This revelation right here is what propels me and compels me to live holy. This is me personally. You you do whatever you got to do. But this is the number one reason that I live as holy as I know how to live. Is because I would never want to think that the Lord did that for me. So I could urinate on His body. That's me. Now, I don't know where you're at. You you do what you got to do. But that's it is for me. For me to defile... For me to go live in, in, in sexual immorality... Do I have permission to do that? Sure. They won't put me in prison. In fact, there's some famous people out there that are living in adultery that people literally have posters of them on their wall. Can I go steal from people? Yeah, I could be a politician. Can I, can I go lie to people? Sure, I could be a scientist. And Jesus fought for my right to live that way. And think about that. Galatians 5.1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. He set you free so you could be free. And don't for one second think that everybody takes their freedom and does the right thing with it because the very next part of the same verse says, Don't be entangled again in slavery. And you know how many people get set free? Man, I... Those of you that have ever that have ever been in or know someone that's in addiction, th- this is so commonplace. Like you, they they come and they get wrecked by the power of God, the love of God, get completely washed and cleansed, and then you get a call a week later, they're in a gutter somewhere, completely devastated. And you're like, you just got free, and they run back. You guys have heard me tell you that how many times in in all those uh, the restaurants that I ran with all these gals that would come out of abusive physically, sexually, 
emotionally abusive relationships and they'd get out and it, they were, had like 24 hours of freedom. And then they'd go find the next jerk. I don't even know where you find these jerks. Because if I found them, I would pray for them. I would lay hands on them. In fact, I did. I think... I had to be careful there. I think the statute of limitations has ran out, but there was a time that I I laid... I, never mind. Let's move on. I don't know if the statute of limitations is outside. Better be, I, don't, I don't want to give them a reason. The FBI's already been in my house enough. I don't want to give them a reason. They're like, got him! He said it on camera. No, you're not getting me, sucker. Now, would anyone dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. In most of this room, you'd go and you'd go off into battle for George Washington, which is amazing because many people in this room, you'd go off to battle for George Washington. But how many people in this room will go off to battle for Jesus? You won't because you, I mean. You know, you won't even say it on Facebook because someone might say something mean to you. Well, that was quiet. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying. He proved it. Talk about proving it. You, you can tell me how much you love Jesus all day long. But I know how much Jesus loves you. He proved it. Most of us think the words are proof enough. Honey, I love you. I really love you. I, you know which has more weight and more value. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And we don't have a grid for that. That's the kind of love that's actually working in your heart. If you get through the if you get through the anger and the hatred and the vitriol and the and the self upsetness, look at me creating words. If you get through all that, what you'll find way down at the bottom of all that is this kind of love working towards your neighbor. This kind of love working towards your spouse. This kind of love working towards your world. This is the love of God that's in you if you would uncover all the humanity. And there is still, verse 9, there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. Exclamation point. (laughs) And I won't say some of it because I don't want to get off track. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration. You are now righteous in my sight. That's what his blood speaks. That's what his blood speaks in heaven. Right now in heaven, Jesus' blood is on the mercy seat in the heavenly tabernacle. And that blood on that mercy seat in that tabernacle in heaven is screaming, They are righteous! And the angels are saying, Man, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the Father says, you are pure and holy in my sight. Because the blood of Jesus Christ screams this, you are righteous. And then people come to you and say, no, you're terrible. 
You evil, you're stupid. You got zits. You're getting old. How's your eyesight? The blood of Christ screams your righteousness. And the enemy screams your condemnation. For through the blood of Jesus we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, His sacrifice, you will never... That's a God word. You will never experience the wrath of God. I could unplug right here and preach on eschatology for hours. But if your end times belief system has something to do with the wrath of God being poured out on you and people that you love, you need to get born again. It's just that. I mean, it's just that simple. If your end times belief has you getting traumatized and, and, and worked over by the Antichrist and hiding in a, in a bomb shelter, eating spam, loading your AR-15, waiting for the zombies to come get you, you have got a jacked up eschatology. <sighs> for through the blood of Jesus we have now heard that powerful declaration that you should not have any concern about the wrath of God man verse 10 so if while we were still sent still en- I'm almost King Jamesy so if while we were still enemies you were an enemy of God and I know that most of you are like uh uh-uh, uh not me I was like his you know, like his kissing cousin. I was like a... I wasn't like an enemy. I was just like neutral. I was Switzerland. No. You're enemy? You're for or against? You're for or against? Everything you do, everything you think, everywhere you go, all, all it's either for or against. You're either working towards the kingdom and working for the king, or you're not. Every, every word... It says in uh, Proverbs 18.21, right? Is it 18.21? Proverbs 18.21. Out of your mouth is death and life. Every word. Every word. From your mouth produces death or life. Now I'll tell you what, all you parents in the room, I hope you're paying attention, because those little corpse that you'd send towards your children I hope all the married people are paying attention those little snide little like off the cuff just like just take a look death you're a murderer amen you know if Jesus would have said ah Peter you're such an ignoramus you, you know what God speaks, come, you know what Peter would have been? He would have transformed into whatever that is. But God doesn't mince words. He, he doesn't just flippantly blast off his mouth the way we do. How many times has somebody has said something and said, well, I just couldn't help myself? Really? So you're not in charge of your tongue. So then who is? Because it ain't God. Oh boy. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It doesn't say death, 
life, and then a bunch of middle stuff that doesn't matter for nothing. Jesus specifically said, every idle word that you speak, you will give an account of in the last day. Every idle word. All that blah, 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 wah, 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 that's on the Charlie Brown, all that stuff that you think is just, you know, how's the weather, you know, what do you think? Oh, I'm just telling you, it's all so windy today. Yeah, I know, I didn't notice. Thanks for pointing it out, weatherman. Have you noticed how much idleness is in conversation with people? Do you know why? Because we are not okay with people talking to us about authentic, genuine, and revealed things. We are not okay with that. How are you doing? I'm okay. Define okay. Well, hey, 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 don't press too much. I gave you okay. That's enough. Back off. Walk up to someone and say, hey, how's your marriage? (laughs) See if you survive the conversation. (laughs) Walk up to somebody and say, hey, how's your thought life? Are Are you having immoral thoughts? You're not going to do it. You can walk up to somebody and say, what do you think about that weather? You can talk for an hour. What do you think about politics? Well, I'll tell you what I think. We're not going to actually talk about, we're not going to be transparent and open and naked and unashamed in front of each other and talk about the real things of our hearts and our lives. So we're just going to cover it up with a bunch of idle words. Jesus said, you're going to give an account for it. Moving right along. So if then, while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son then something greater than friendship is ours how radical is that something greater than friendship with God what is that (laughs) I'd call it sonship now that we are at peace with God well I'm not at peace with God okay God's at peace with you You, you can be fighting, but you're fighting by yourself because God ain't fighting you. He's at peace with you. If you're not at peace, it ain't His fault. Now we are at peace with God and because we share in His resurrection life, His resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? Sin has a dominion. It wants to dominate. We get the word dominate. Sin wants to dominate you. Remember, sin is missing the mark. You having the nature of missing the mark wants to dominate you. Wants to rule over you. Wants to like... I could use adjectives, but I don't know if they're okay. And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy. Man, is that a mouthful. And I'll tell you that that's not the average church. <laughs> How are you today? I'm overflowing with triumphant joy. Really? Great. Lay hands on me. Yes. It should be our answer, but we're fine. How are you? I'm fine. Okay. And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living reconciled to God. <laughs> All because of Jesus. Man, we cannot praise Him enough. Verse 12, When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. I hope you get this. I'm going to say it and I'm just going to move on. You don't sin, or you're not a sinner because you sinned. 
You sinned because you were a sinner. You were born a sinner before you sinned. In your mother's womb, you were conceived in sin. How many sinners are in their mother's womb? Like, take that spleen, ha ha ha, mother. No, you're, it was your nature. And eventually you came out and you lived what your nature was, which was, eventually as a kid, you turned into a jerk. We know, because some of you got spankings. Some of you need them today. <laughs> I'm not looking at nobody. Sin entered human experience, and death was the result. You know what sickness is? Disease, sickness, they are death. Cancer is the mutilation of cells that produce death. Every single sickness and disease on this planet is an expression of death. The only way anybody was ever sick ever was because of Adam. Death is the word. It's the all-encompassing word of what happened because of the fall. So anything that you can think of, okay, poverty is financial death. Uh, oppression is mental death. Depression is a mental death. Is mental death. Uh, cancer is physical death. It's death working in your members. Anything that you can name that's under that, it all falls under the category. So when you see the word death in the scriptures, divorce is death. Because it's separating from the life that God intended to be in marriage. Every single part of this that came from the fall, if it, if it happened because of the fall, then it's encompassing death. That's what God calls it. And we are supposed to be the enemies of death. So you're supposed to actually fight against all this stuff. If you get a sickness, this is why I think that I actually have a little bit more success in seeing sick people healed than some other people, is because I hate it. I hate it. I hate sickness and disease. I hate it with a passion. If I see, if I'm driving down the road and I see somebody in a wheelchair, I literally like, I almost want to like, you, come out. Like, when I see people hurting and pain, I, I, it, it makes me mad, angry, like stupid devil. How dare you? God's people. I feel the same way about all the things that I mentioned. This is why I fight for marriage. This is why I fight for you to not be oppressed or depressed. This is why I fight for you to not be poor and in poverty. I fight for these things. I hate it. It's death. It's an enemy to the cross. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over all humanity because all have sinned. Let me read this verse. This is verse 12. Let me read it in a couple other uh, uh, translations. And then the BSB, the Berean Study Bible says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, death through sin, so also did death. So also death was passed on to all men because all have sinned. The Amplified says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, so death spread to all people. No one being able to stop it or escape its power because they all sinned. 
the Aramaic says, for just as by the agency of one man, sin entered the universe. Wow, that's cool. So death spread to all people, no one being able to stop it or escape its power because they all sinned. The contemporary English version says, Adam sinned, and that sin brought death into the world. That sin brought death. You're, the sickness and disease that's working in humanity is because of Adam. So if you're God, what do you do? You send another Adam. If by one man death entered, if by Adam's sin death entered... Then why is it hard for us to believe by Jesus' righteousness, life entered? You believe that you should slowly get old and sick and have all your stuff fall apart. Why can't you believe that because of what Jesus did, that the older you get, the more powerful, the more mature, and the, more, and the stronger you should get? Why do we believe this side? Why do we have more faith in Satan and sin than we have belief in Jesus and the finished work of the cross? If you fell apart because of what Adam did, then why aren't you put back to right by what Jesus did? This is not that radical. This isn't some deep concept. This is literally the simplest thing. The only way anybody's ever been sick is because Adam screwed up. Well, then why don't we believe that? Because Jesus never screwed up. Ever. That his perfectness was was bestowed on us by a gift. Why can't we believe that that life is working in our members as much as we believe that that death was working in our members? I'm going to finish with Galatians 3. I'm going to read this in the King James because you need to memorize it in the King James. That's how I learned it. For as... For as many as are, this is verse 10, Galatians 3.10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. What's the curse? Death. In the garden, God spoke a command. Eat everything freely in the garden. That's the blessing. If you eat the tree, you're going to die, die. That's the curse. The blessing and the curse. You choose. So the curse of the law is, if you do the wrong thing, you'll get the wrong effects. For as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Curse is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Say, I'm just. I'm just. So you live by faith. By faith. You don't live by what you see. You don't live by what you feel. You don't live by what the world's telling you. You don't live by what the doctor's telling you. You don't live by what the government's telling you. You live by faith. You live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith. Take that, all you legalists. But the man that does them shall live in them. For Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for it is for us. For it is written, "Curses everyone that hangs on a tree." He became our curse. There's no more curse. Oh, I built all that up. There's no more curse. 
how many times Christians make an excuse for the stuff that's terrible in their life? Well, it's just the effects of the curse. And then I walk in and say, there's no more curse. Stupid preacher, you're wrong. Okay, fine, I'm wrong. Jesus took the curse. If you're still under the curse, then there's no Jesus for you. Because Jesus became the curse for us. He took the curse. Well, no, the earth, the earth is still cursed. We're, humanity is still under a curse. There's still a curse. Where? 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 Please, where? Where? If Jesus took it, where is it? I can tell you, he made a pit stop in between death and heaven. Anybody know where he stopped by? Hell. So where's the curse? So why are you experiencing it? Are you not raised and seated in heavenly places? Are you not in the new garden that God has for His man? If you are raised and seated in heavenly places, if you're in the new garden that He made for you, then there's no curse. If you're experiencing curse, you're in the wrong place. We need to raise you out. You shouldn't be there. That's not what God wanted you to do. Jesus was the only one that was supposed to take all the curse and he dropped it back off where it came from. He took Satan back the little present that Satan brought to humanity and he said, here you go. Now I'll take the keys of death, hell, and the grave back with me and you can keep the curse down here. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Jesus had to die on a tree literally just to fulfill this part of it. If you believe in this thing right here, this cross, this wooden cross that he died on, if this means anything to you, one of the things this should mean to you is that this was the tree that Jesus died on to take your curse. So if you wear a cross around your neck, then you are declaring there is no curse for me. Last verse. That, here's the reason. It wasn't just to take the curse away. It was to bring the blessing back. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we, you and I, beloved, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So God in the garden said... Eat everything. Here's a beautiful heavenly place for you. You can have as much as you want. Eat it all. Don't eat from the tree of the natural. Jesus came back and said, I'm going to eat the tree of the natural. I'm going to gobble up all the curse. And so now let's reverse it. Now you get the blessing. God started with the blessing and challenged them to stay away from the curse. Jesus, the last Adam, comes. He eats the curse and then gives us the blessing. This is how you live now today. Jesus took your sickness and gave you his life and his health. Please rise. I'd like to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things, that you allow the 
finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health, prospering your body. And all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.